What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. It is Thursday night, October 24th, which means that it is also Big Dave Meltzer's birthday, and we are how many days until your birthday, John? Uh, just a few more days, the 29th of my birthday, so five days. So tomorrow night, a uh, few of us are going to go hang out for uh, for both of your birthdays um and uh and you know get a bite to eat and then i think the plan is to watch like um like the florida championship wrestling documentary dvd <laughs> back at back at big dave's house cool yeah i'm gonna see if i can stick around after that but we'll see looking forward to dinner though it's gonna be fun gonna have a good time a lot of good stories gonna be told i'm sure 14 of us is there 14 now it's 14 Dave's Dave's brother-in-law, Danny, is going to come. All right, cool. All right, so um, we are going to hit uh, some UFC news first, and then we're going to hit a lot of pro wrestling stuff, as usual. Pro wrestling is kind of like the the uh, the big thing right now because of all of the shows. Uh, but we're also going to talk about the Wrestling Observer uh, Hall of Fame, which both of you and I have a vote for, and we uh, we put our... We put our uh, ballots in, and, and uh, ballots are now closed. And at some point, when uh, Dave gets a few hours to to tally up the ballots, uh, we'll we'll be able to see who makes it this year, if anyone. Uh, my my guess is at least some of the luchadors make it in, but um, I'm, it's not a hundred percent sure that anybody from uh, from the U.S. gets in this year. And uh, and then we'll talk about the pro wrestling schedule. Um, NWA Power, our, our NXT AEW comparison. Then we'll go over both weekend uh, boxing, MMA, and and then even a pro wrestling schedule for this weekend. And then we'll talk about Raw 83. So uh, one thing before we start is I've had a cough like for two weeks now, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So the uh, my medicine tonight is, is a little bit of bourbon. So we'll <laughs> see if it can uh, calm the cough down. It's been doing a pretty good job so far. You doing it straight, though? Uh, a little bit of ice. Okay. All right. Gotta, gotta burn that off, man. You gotta have I know. this full on fire in there. <clears throat> I know. If it wasn't so hot right now, because it's like, it's been like 85 degrees in San Jose lately. Yeah. People don't, if, if people are living, listening out of state, it's like last week we finally got that cool weather we've been waiting for. It was great. And all of a sudden, bam, now it's hot. So I think that's why a lot of people are getting sick right now, too. So, uh, so yeah. So hopefully I don't go into a coughing fit. Uh, I will do my best, but uh, let, let's kick off with with some UFC news and and some like I guess all of this news is kind of slightly negative, but it is it is uh, it is big news. And the first of which is uh, when Randy Couture had a heart attack, and I think it was uh, it may have been yesterday uh, or, or it could have been today too. I'm not 100 percent sure what the date is, but um, he had a heart attack, was in intensive care, and it looks like he will make a full recovery, but. I think what most people thought is, how can Randy Couture, a bastion of health, have a heart attack at, you know, 50, whatever, 56 or whatever he is, because he's in such good shape and, you know, supposedly lives a, lives a healthy lifestyle or whatever. But, uh, man, I was so surprised. Like, Randy Couture, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have chosen Randy Couture if you gave me 20 guesses of some MMA legend who had, you know, had, had a situation like that. Yeah, I, I, it could be a lot of different factors, right? It could be steroid use when he was younger. It could be did he ge- take steroids? Genetics. I don't know. I don't know. I maybe. I mean, I wouldn't. 
I don't put it past a lot of fighters back then, you know, in that era doing steroids. There's no testing for it, right? Um, he didn't have look like a crazy, juiced-out freak or anything. But sometimes, you know, he, just doing steroids does not, not necessarily make you just this big-ass, you know, juiced-out freak. So, I mean, I don't want to say he did steroids. I don't know. I'm just saying it could be a factor, especially for a guy with his being in such great shape. Or it could just be simply genetics, runs in his family, you know. That, that's also a factor, too. So hopefully uh, he will, uh, you know, be healthy and and be around forever. Love seeing Randy Couture when I go to the Bellator shows in San Jose. He's often there. You know, you get to see him with with his with his uh, with his hat on and hanging out and having a great time. So good luck to Randy Couture. Uh, some other news. Nate, did you see the thing about Nate Diaz today? Yeah, I read that, and I me, mean, I'm bummed. It's not gonna this fight might not happen, but. I just really enjoyed his little message he put out there. I thought that was pretty cool. And and so I'm I mean I, I am still not 100% what his message even means. Um so let me just read so he went on Twitter today and he posted um <clears throat> he posted a you know a lot of a lot of people on Twitter when they want to write a long message that is longer than the uh then the two hundred and and what is it two six well, I don't know two hundred and sixty some odd characters, um, or two forty. I mean, when it's longer than two hundred and forty characters, they will write in the notes section of whatever their phone is. And so Nate wrote in his notes section, and you know if we, you know Nate Nate has nothing in common with uh, with uh, William Shakespeare or anything, but. He wrote, he said, I'm not going to make it out to NYC for fight week next week because they say I tested with elevated levels that they say might be from tainted supplements. I call false on that because I only take whole food or natural food supplements. I don't even eat meat. So until UFC, USADA, or whoever is effing with me fixes it, I won't be competing. I'm not going to play their game and try and hide it or keep quiet. <laughs> I think he meant quiet. He said, keep quiet. As they suggested, I'm not going to have my name tainted as a cheater like these other MFers who keep quiet until after the fight just so that they can get paid effing cheaters. I don't give an F about some money over my dignity and my legacy. I'm not playing along with this BS. I'm not staying quiet and figuring it out after the fight. That's cheating. So, fight game, I'll see you when I see you. Sincerely, the realest, baddest MFer in the game. So, based on what he said, what it sounds like is that he was contacted about elevated levels in what I assume to be testosterone, and that USADA, at least the, the way that he's writing it, this is what it looks like. I'm not saying that this is what actually happened. But it sounds like they told him to chill out, that things are fine, and they'll figure it out, and just to be quiet about the situation, and he did not. Now, um, from from folks kind of in, you know, who are tracking the stuff and, and knowing what is going on, they say the fight is still on, so it hasn't actually been canceled by the UFC, Um this could also be something to where you know it, 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 this is this is actually kind of silly because you know Nate Diaz has probably been drug tested for uh, much of his career, but maybe what USADA was tracking was 
that he was maybe close to uh, whatever the testosterone to epitestosterone ratio was. And maybe they were just alerting him like, hey, like, you know, just something to keep an eye on. Like you're getting kind of close. And so, you know, no one really knows what's going on. Um, Nate is Nate. And I hope that, you know, they figure it out. And I hope that it doesn't seem like he uh, like that he would actually be BSing on this and, and, you know, really be someone who's steroid, you know, taking steroids. Or maybe he's trying to mask a weed test or something like, you know, that happens too. But uh, I, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of this because without that fight next weekend, that show's going to die. Yeah. That show was looked at as maybe the ba- the biggest fight in the ESPN Plus universe for pay-per-view. But without Nate Diaz, that fight is going to die. And I think... Jorge Masvidal is, uh, he's kind of a, a guy on the rise, and he actually, I've, I've seen him in, in other media, and I think I mentioned that on the show, where I've seen him on ESPN shows with, like, you know, savvy host, and he's had to kind of step up his game and, and be eloquent and be funny and be witty, and he's awesome. So this is, like, his coming out party. If he beats Nate, like, I think he can be a huge star, especially to uh, to the Mexican fan base. So... Uh, I hope it happens, and I and and if not, this thing really sucks for the UFC. Yeah, big time. I mean, I don't I don't want to see it canceled. I just when I saw that, I kind of got I just got a chuckle. It's the fight game, right? Wackiness always happens with the fight game, and here it is again. Bam! You know, that doesn't disappoint, right? Uh, when it comes to news, especially leading up to fights. So I I took it that he's definitely had elevated something. The whole part of keeping it quiet was interesting because I can definitely see USC wanting to go through the fight and then <laughs> and then afterwards has it come out, you know? Like, I see that can happen, too. So I wouldn't doubt it because a lot of money is, you know, this is a big fight for them, a big fight for ESPN. I can see they want to go through with this. So, yeah. I mean, I hope it happens because that was, like, what, the only pay-per-view this year it seems like people had, like, some real casual interest in. Well, there there is a show that they're following up in December, which actually looks pretty fun too. Uh, Ho- uh, Jose Aldo and uh, Uri Faber on the undercard of that show. Two fights just announced. Max uh, Max is uh, defending his championship, so that should be <coughs> excuse me. That should be a pretty fun show as well. So that's like back to back. They should have good shows to finish out the year. And if Nate is off of this card, he is the the uh you know kind of the the biggest star on that on that show so mm-hmm. he, if he if he leaves then you know that definitely takes a hit um uh, and the last thing is in the midst of more than likely being charged with another uh another situation with um sexual misconduct conor mcgregor announced today that uh he plans on fighting january 14th now i don't even think that's on the schedule for the <laughs> ufc so he's like kind of pre-announcing something that the UFC uh, doesn't have on schedule yet. Uh, most of the folks who I've sort of seen here and there, including our our buddy uh, Ryan Fredrickson, who is uh, uh, Ryan Frederick, sorry, who is actually going to be doing the play-by-play for the UFC show this weekend on the Observer, which starts at two thirty Pacific time. So I. I mean, I think he's in this. I think he he's in he's in Texas somewhere. So it's not as bad for him. But 
Jesus, he's he's a he's a warrior for uh, for waking up that early. But even he had mentioned that he thinks it's going to be Cerrone. At least that's who has been hinted at. Um, Meltzer in uh, today's Observer mentioned Cerrone and possibly Justin Gaethje. I've seen Justin Gaethje on Twitter post about it. So it looks like something is happening there. Uh, whatever to keep McGregor out of trouble. Like, geez, like that's two times he's been char- he's been. Uh, he hasn't been charged with it, but he's been accused of it, uh, and so we'll see what happens. But man, like that dude, I, he, you know, that dude needs to figure out something because he is a menace to society at this point. Yeah, definitely. I feel bad for his wife, man. That poor, that poor woman. But she's still with him. <laughs> I know. Get out of there. Yep. Um, so uh, so let's talk about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. We don't have to. We don't have to deep dive into this. Uh, anybody who has read the Observer today, Dave wrote pages and pages about his his votes for this year, um, and ho- like I said, hopefully it'll come out soon. Who, who hmm. actually goes through? Who knows? You know. What's your prediction? I'm gonna know. say this January is gonna come out this year. I'm gonna say he will take advantage of Christmas week <laughs> and get it out in late December. Yeah. All right. So, um, why don't we go, uh, how, actually, how many people are on your list? Um, I, I, I only have a quite a, a, a few this, this time, you know, I, I, I didn't get the chance to dive deep as I normally do in the years of the past. It's just been, you know, just cause life is busier now, right? Two kids, all that working a lot. Um, watching a lot of wrestling to, to talk oh about God. it, right? To talk about it here on this on the podcast, so I didn't get a chance to do a, a, a deep deep dive, but I scanned the list and a couple names jump out on me. Okay, so why don't we go by uh, category? So mm-hmm. just to give people an, an idea on how this works. So, <laughs> excuse me. So this is not like like there are many criteria for this. So longevity should be a prime consideration rather than a hot two- or three-year run, unless someone is so significant as a trendsetter or historical figure in the business or valuable to the industry that they need to be included. However, just longevity without either being a long-term main eventer, a top draw, or top-caliber in-ring performer should be seen as meaningless. Um, To be eligible, folks have to have reached their 35th birthday and been in the business for 10 years. Or be someone who has been a full-time pro wrestler for at least 15 years. Um, Let's see. The maximum you can vote for is 10. You can even pick zero if you don't believe anybody can can get in. Um, And then for wrestling executives, managers, announcers, and other outside-the-ring performers, you can vote and they are not counted against your 10. And you can vote for as many as five of them. So, let's look at the uh, and also and obviously sixty percent of the ballots from that category is what gets you in. So let's look at the um, let's look at the the categories. So historical performers era. I stayed away from this category because I just don't know enough about it. You're talking about guys who wrestled in the '60s, uh, in the '70s, even in the '50s, and I just don't have the 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 reference to uh, you know to make quality picks like I can I I know who I like in those categories, 
but I just don't feel like I'm educated enough to vote for for that category. Who did you vote for in that category? Um, I I voted for this man last year too. It was a Cowboy Bob Ellis. Just you know, the Southeastern Territories was a top Bay face. Um, talking a lot of old time wrestlers in that era would always talk about how over he was and what a star he was. So I I, I went with him. He's probably more of a territory pick, you know, than like I don't know if he really had big runs everywhere else, but I don't know. He always just seemed like he was a big star to me, and I always hear a lot of stories about him, read a lot about him, so I picked him. Uh, and then in the modern performers in the U.S. Canada candidates category, I picked three. How many did you pick? Um, I picked two. And who were those guys? Uh, Edge and Goldberg. So I'm right with you with both of those guys. And this is the, obviously, I only had the ballot last year, and I don't think I picked Goldberg last year. But I think what today's wrestling has made me realize, and this is, I, I put the blame at the at the feet of WWE here, which is when you and I were growing up and really getting into wrestling, there were performers and wrestlers and, uh, and big stars who hooked us. You know, for me, it was Hogan. Um, you know, at other points it was Savage, um, you know, going uh, for WCW, it was like Dusty, even, even though I was at the tail end of Dusty, I didn't, I didn't really, he, he was a little bit before me, but even Flair, right? Flair was, was always a guy. And so these bigger than life performers who, you know, you, you didn't really care what the work rate was, you know, in, in Flair's case and in Savage's case, it was really good. Um, you just cared about the emotion and the ability to for them to get the audience behind them. And so in today's wrestling, when we, you know, as we follow, there is um, there are some of those guys, not as big as, as the guys that I named. But the the void of those guys is was just staring me in the face. And I and I looked at Goldberg and I was like, man, you know, Goldberg had been away for so long. He comes back, and he is back to being one of the bigger stars in WWE. Has the program with Brock Lesnar, and you know he he comes back and he has the match just this uh, this SummerSlam with um, with Dolph Ziggler, and so I just look at him and I was like, man, like that is what is missing in today's wrestling, and to me his argument is better today maybe than it's ever been because of what is lacking in today's wrestling. Yeah, I mean, he had a... I mean, he's from day one, other than the first few months of his career, he was always on top, right? I mean, he was you know thrust quickly into the main event position, but I thought he had a home run in WCW, and I saw his influence on... Like, like I, I think I've told the story a long time ago about my brother-in-law, who would constantly make fun of me for watching wrestling. <laughs> he would just come over and just, just, just give me a bunch of crap, right? But then one day, he's just all he wants to do is talk wrestling. And it's one guy specific, and this is during the height of Austin and Rock, right? Who are just capturing everyone's imagination all across the world. And the Rock shirts and 316 shirts and, and the Austin 316 shirts are out there. And he, and he wants to talk about Goldberg. He, talk, he, thinks, you know, like, if, he thinks wrestling's stupid, but he believes in Goldberg, right? And that, like, blew my mind. And that made me, a, you know, I was already a fan of Goldberg. And, you know, his first WWE run wasn't the best, but he had some moments. He always had this presence and power, and he always was put on top and succeeded, I think. And his most recent run with uh, the WWE has been 
really good. It's not overexposed, and and he he's he's a he's a he's a legit star, and 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 a good dude at that. So I, I I'm voting for him. I, I really like Goldberg. So I'm you know I'm sure a lot of historians are just kind of scoff at that, but you know, hey, I got to vote, right? <laughs> you know, I think. I think he's got a half decent chance. I don't think he's going to get in, but I think his numbers will look really good this year. I hope Edge gets in. Even if he doesn't get in, I think he's got a really good shot over the next few years to get in. The other person I I put in uh, was Randy Orton, and I, I'm just probably going to vote for Randy Orton. Um, you know, every year I, I get it. I get why he's not as good of a candidate. He's part of the WWE machine. He didn't have to carry you know a company. He was hot and then cold and then hot and then never really cold, but just hot and then never really became the guy. Was always sort of in John Cena's shadow when it came to that and and also Batista's shadow. So I get all those things, but I just think um, when you think WWE from the year 2003 to now, there have been a lot of guys who have passed through. And, you know, Triple H and John Cena... Uh, were probably the guys that you thought of as WWE. And Randy Orton's outlasted all of uh, both of those guys. So I think from a longevity standpoint and from the fact that he's just figured out how to always be around and always be in important programs, um, you know, one of the smartest men in, in the business, and I, I'm gonna, I voted for him. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of it has to do with people that... I like to vote for people that... It's hard for me to vote people that are still in it and still in the thick of it and or still in the thick of it but i i mean he who is a guy i would vote for like once he retires i think he should definitely go in uh i mean just on if you're if your guys are in on work rate alone you know he should go in um and he's been a star for a long time and at, at early on in his career too you know so he's always and he's always delivered and he's one of my favorites to watch like i, I never get bored of the randy orton match i know we have differences on that well, no I, I i i generally like all of his matches i just think he dials it up when he knows that it's important and he sandbags it when he knows that it's not important like that's just his style sometimes is to is he knows when when to turn it on and when to turn it off and that's not like a lot of guys are like that right like you have to you know, be like that you only got so much to do i mean but i don't think he necessarily quote unquote sandbags i think he's just smart and knows how to work smart and knows how to you know yeah turn on at certain points when it really means something but i think he still has quality every time he wrestles uh, okay so let's lean to the um the japan candidates i voted for two here Though I think the most interesting candidates are Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Kenny Omega, just from like a like a now standpoint, um, I didn't vote for either of them, but uh, I did vote for two others. How, how about you? Uh, in this category, just one. Who did you vote for? Uh, Junakiyama. So I voted for him as well, and I was persuaded mostly because mm-hmm. uh, Alan at 4L wrote something like I don't know, like three or four years ago. And uh, and it was a really good historical piece, and so you know just reading that and you know just just knowing the the backstory and stuff, um, I voted for him. I also voted for Naito, which is a little interesting because he's had a bad year. Um, He looks like he's a shell of himself at this point. 
But the thing that I really love about him as a candidate is in the day and age where nobody is a draw anymore, he was a draw. And I think it's so hard to do in today's day and age because, you know, most of the most of the people nowadays are just it's just WWE. Now we have AEW and maybe that changes, but he was an actual draw for that company when it's on its rise back to uh, you know, back to prominence and, and you know, ghetto ghetto will come up in a second here. But, you know, I, I think Naito from a popularity standpoint, just amazing what he was able to do with that fan base. Yeah, I'm still waiting on him. I still think he has a little bit left, even though he's beat up because he's beat up because he's been she wrestles a style that's ridiculous doing and he also takes too many risks. I think he takes too many head drops and he he goes above and beyond above and beyond to have like the this great match and I think it's what he does is a lot more risky than a lot of the people and he, he makes me nervous when he wrestles honestly but Junakiyama I mean you know just work rate alone you got to put him in um, also he was you know one of the big four um, he also he also you know had to carry Noah for a while it, they now people might hold this against him because you know they had to go with. Kenta Kobashi, and he went on that legendary two-year run, but he was consistent, great worker, and then later on, he went into all Japan, and when it was on its, on its you know, not its, not its deathbed, but it was really poorly drawing, and he slowly, slowly rebuilt that up, and, you know, got Kento Miyahara as his new ace, and started building interest again in the company, where it's, you know, it's growing in popularity to this day, so... I, I definitely want to vote him for everything he's done, just from his ring work, and then his office work in all Japan, too. I think, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I think I'm definitely voting Coda next year. Um, he won the G1. I will assume that he will win, uh, you know, he, uh, my guess is that he beats Ibushi, or he beats uh, uh, Okada and becomes the champion, whether he loses it, you know, quickly or not. And I think that's that's like the last thing in his, uh, you know, in uh, on 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 his dresser that he needs is that title. Um, you know, really good career, excellent wrestler, checks all the boxes, and finally he's the guy in the main company that that he works. Uh, if he wins the IWGP t- Championship at Tokyo Dome, I will vote for him next year. Um, Ify on Ishii and Omega. I, did, I don't think Omega's had that good of a year. He's starting to pick it up uh, right now with uh, with AEW, but um, I, I've been, you know, I want to see him, uh, and and I will vote for him more than likely uh, as long as he is, uh, if, if he's the top guy in AEW and they do well and they continue to succeed, then I think he's probably close to a shoe-in as well. Yeah, maybe uh, I'm still waiting on that. The <laughs> a few more years for Omega for me. Okay, so what about Mexico? Nothing. I mean, I just didn't really dive deep in, so I just, you know, I'm leaving that one in the next category out of it. Okay, so much like you, I'm not 100% on top of my Lucha Libre, but I have a really good friend um, named Brandon Draven who I said, hey, you know, make some, um, you know, Write up, write up some stuff for me. Let me know who you think. I'll read it up, and then I'll sort of make a decision off of what you what you suggest. 
And so here were his candidates, and I, I put all of them in. Um, Ultimo Guerrero, he said, Ultimo Guerrero meets the criteria as both a main eventer, influencer, and for longevity. He's been a main eventer in a few CMLL anniversary shows, had a tag team of the year candidate with Ray Bucanero, and headlined one of the biggest gates in CML history alongside Atlantis. He's been near and around the main event scene for 20 years. He had a stint in TNA and New Japan. He also voted for Los Misioneros de la Muerte. He said, El, uh, te, uh, El, uh, Signo Tejano and Negro Navarro are hugely influential within Lucha Libre. They were the tag team that popularized three-man teams. They also established two to three falls, six-man tags with non-tags as an acceptable form of the genre. They helped establish Los Vianos and Los Brazos as babyfaces who would try and defeat the evil Misioneros. Negro Navarro became a respected technical wrestler who wrestled almost a European style. They were in the ring when El Santo had a heart attack, and of course, they exploited the shit out of that. Uh, he also voted for Huracan uh, Ramirez. Uh, he was a contemporary of Santo, Blue Demon, and Mil Mascaras. He was the second Huracan Ramirez, popularized the Huracan Rana. He was an actor who made films in full gimmick like Santo, huge draw in South America, it was the first wrestling movie star and the fourth one was dr wagner jr he had quite possibly the biggest money match of 2017 in losing his mask at triple mania one of the modern iconic characters in wrestling who drew big money with la park both in their 50s throughout 17 and 18 a wrestling political leader behind the scenes so those were my picks for mexico i didn't have uh, a lot of a, a lot of influence here though uh, Draven is someone who I respect, and his uh, his write up sold me. So I added all four of those guys in for this year. Cool. All right. So the last one, not second to uh, last one. Second to last one is uh, Europe and Australia, New Zealand and Pacific Islands and Africa. I also chose nobody. Um, and then in non wrestlers. Yeah, I have to. This one you can actually vote for. I think it's up to five. Up to five, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I always voted for, I always vote for Larry Matisic because you know a lot, a lot of people probably don't. That's your guy. Yeah, I mean he's, you know, was Sam Mushnick's right hand man and one of the smartest guys in wrestling, and also have a, a huge influence on me and how I booked wrestling and how I view wrestling. So I definitely have him in and. Also, Don Owen, you know, he's a legendary promoter in the Portland area. I, you know, I think that, you know, I think he should go in too. Um, a guy I just I just want to vote in because he's like grandpa to me. Mm-hmm. Is Bob Cottle? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite play-by-play team is always Jim Ross and Bob Cottle. It was not a lot of shouting. Well, you know, Ross would when the match got at its peak, and you know, and and he was the best at you know, the best at building that match up and bring it to a crescendo with with the action but bob was a nice compliment to him you know like they had a conversation they talked about stuff they weren't yelling at each other and bob with this he was color commentary he didn't really describe a lot of the moves but what he talked about was just he just spoke to you you know and 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 he didn't get detail but like he explained it just very very easily that anyone can understand and i really i always i always love bob coddle he's he's one of definitely one of my favorites uh, so is that it? Um, Gato, definitely. Okay. I think for sure because just what he's able to do with New Japan and build it up and now, you know, being the, the powerhouse it is right now. 
Um, so on my end, um, I also uh, actually, you know what? I, I think I, I think I left Gato out, but it was only because <clears throat> not that it mattered. Uh, I just I just assumed he was going to get in, and uh, actually I don't know why I didn't put him because I think I planned on, on on putting him in. So maybe at the last second I decided to pull him out. But the one person I really 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 wanted to put on my ballot here is uh, is Ted Turner, <laughs> and the reason I voted Ted in is because um, over this uh, I guess it would have been I don't know it was, it was several several months ago. Big Dave and I did a show about the Georgia territory. And then, which leads into Georgia Championship Wrestling and the whole uh, Ann Gunkel situation and, you know, her husband dies and she inherits this territory and then all of a sudden these, you know, these people want to see her fail and they, you know, they want to blow it up. And then, you know, Ted getting the first, uh, you know, getting WTBS on the satellite so that his Atlanta, you know, Atlanta station actually gets broadcast uh, everywhere, and all of a sudden, people can watch this wrestling that is specific to this certain area, but becomes just like the the th- the thing to do because it's it's good stuff. And then you know, I think this is a decision. You know, and whether it was lucky or not lucky, you know, he gives Bischoff the 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 Monday Night Show, and. You know, there were many times, and, and, and you and I have, you know, have, have read about this and talked about this, but many times when, you know, TBS wanted to cancel World Championship Wrestling and Turner was like, nope, it's not going to happen. Like, this thing was what, you know, was what helped me get to where I'm at today. And so I just think from an influence standpoint, he is, uh, he is a big deal. And then if you fast forward to today and think of, AEW getting on TNT, um, you know, even though uh, I, I don't think Ted Turner has anything to do with TNT today, but TNT actually, you know, it's in his name, mm-hmm. right? Like it's his, his name is in this station. So um, I just think that that if not for some of the decisions and just his own stubbornness and you know, just really sticking, uh, sticking to wrestling. Like a lot of the stuff that that happened wouldn't have happened. Now, WCW lost the war. Ted was out of it by then. He was, you know, he was kind of out of, you know, when AOL and Time Warner and all that stuff. Um, when that all happened, he was long gone. But I still think, from the standpoint of influence, um, he is a he is a big deal, and it, it only magnified this year with a- AEW getting back on that network. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I mean, he was I was thinking about him too, but I didn't vote for him just yet. But uh, when it's all said and done, yeah, Ted had a of course huge influence on the wrestling business. So maybe maybe I should next year change my vote and put him in. By the way, I I, I thought I had Gato in. If I didn't have Gato in, it was a complete mistake because I absolutely think he d- he's deserving. So hopefully he gets in, and my one mistake in leaving him off did not hurt my, hurt. <laughs> we'll his, find out his, his, in December or January. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on to uh, something that I did on our uh, Fight Game Blog Facebook group. And if you are interested in joining that, uh, you can go to the at Fight Game Media Twitter account, and the link is there. It is saved. Um, it's the first post. 
And, you know, if you're interested, just I, I may ask you, hey, you know, where did you hear about us or whatever? You know, we, we try to keep that place troll free. So if that is your idea, like probably not going to be a good uh, a good choice of a group to join. But if you are, you know, if you're a fan and you and you enjoy listening to us and you want to talk smart stuff, kind of the stuff that we, you know, you and I talk about, you know, the the group is there and uh, we're over 100 people now and we have some really really we got about 25 people who are, you know, who probably comment at least uh, you know, twice a week. So it's a really good group. Um, so if you're interested Go ahead and uh, and and request joining, and more than likely I will accept you. And if I'm not sure who you are, I may ask you a question. But we don't really turn people away unless they are trolls. So, um, I start a conversation about our uh, our current weekly pro wrestling schedule. So I'm just gonna just gonna like explain you know i'm just going to talk it through and and it and it it may like boggle your mind as i'm telling you all of the stuff that is on from a pro wrestling standpoint on uh monday through friday either on tv cable tv or through some sort of streaming device so monday you have monday night raw being the elite and the YouTube version of MLW, it, 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 its first run on YouTube is uh, Monday. On Tuesday, now you have Impact Wrestling. You also have AEW Dark and NWA Power. On Wednesday, you have AEW Dynamite and NXT. On Thursday, you have Beyond, which I don't watch, but... A lot of people on my Twitter feed seem to follow every every uh, every Thursday night. On Friday, you have SmackDown and the live version of MLW, which is on BN. Now, people are going to say, "Oh, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this?" I- I'm sure there's tons. There's other stuff that that I may not have added. Like uh, I know there's ROH, but that sort of airs depending on where what channel that you get it on. Um, and there's also CMLL, which is, you know, depends on if they, if they get the clearance to show it or not. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, there, there's other different things out there. But when I started looking at that, it like made so much sense why I feel so much pressure to keep up because, you know, it it is, you know, when, when we were growing up, it was pretty common for us to go, oh, it's Saturday. I want to be home to watch wrestling on Saturday. And if not, then, you know, I'm going to set my DVR to tape it, <laughs> both Superstars and WCW. And then maybe on Sunday, you're you're recording uh, Challenge and Power Hour or whatever. It, it was like, you know, that, that was just what we did. And then Monday, you know, we would, we would watch either Primetime or Raw and then eventually Nitro. But I never felt like there was so much pressure to to be caught up. Like if I missed it, I was like, oh well, you know, I'll figure out the recap of the next week, and you know, I'll ask some friends who may have watched it, and I'll catch up. But today, it's it almost feels like homework. Like mm-hmm. I feel like, um, you know, I watched uh, I watched AEW live yesterday, and I didn't watch NXT. And I was think I was like really like frustrated. Like oh, I want to watch it. Do I have the time? It's two hours and eight minutes. Uh, and then when I started to hear how, how much people were liking it, I was like, okay, I, I have to I have to watch it. You know, this show if if the show is good, I have to watch it. And so it, it just seems to me like 
you know, I, I, I don't like the feeling that <laughs> it becomes a chore or it becomes homework because then it takes away the fun of it. Um, when you look at that at that schedule and you sort of figure out, okay, I kind of want to watch this, 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 and this. Like, do you feel any pressure to get through it? Or because you'd like to watch old stuff too, like that—that's not all that you watch. You you're watching stuff on YouTube. You're watching stuff on WWE Network. You know, we fit in our '93 Raw stuff, which I usually watch on uh, Wednesday during the day. I, I just try to catch up and, and and find pockets of 20 minutes during the day. But like, how how do you feel when you watch all this stuff? Well, <coughs> it's Wednesday nights are stressful for me because I have to get a late start to watch both. AEW NXT because you know I have to wait for the kids to go to bed and all that so that's what's stressful to me like I want to grab that TV as soon as possible right and start going at it because that's four hours of wrestling to watch in one night and you know at the end I start getting tired and 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 it's hard so I get a little worried about that because I, 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 I we we talk about both shows I need to cover it I want to make sure I, um it has my full attention so I hate when I'm starting to feel heavy eyed and and when I'm watching these shows because I, I want to you know I want to critique it correctly and not miss anything um the rest i kind of just leave it open like like i decided to watch raw because i wanted to see how it was going to be with paul Heyman and his the set roster um but we won't watch smackdown tomorrow because i'll be busy um with the the birthday party stuff so i, I probably want to I, I probably want to get to smackdown um i've been watching nwa power recently i've been keeping up with that it's been it's a fun it's a quick hour it's easy to watch uh i'm I'm gonna give Impact an episode next Tuesday to kind of see what they got going, and I'll probably be not watching it for long, <laughs> <laughs> knowing them. So um, yeah, there's also stuff. I mean, I don't watch New Japan show on Saturday. Well, I mean, we we mostly keep up with that on on New Japan World. Yeah, because, yeah, but there's WoW too, and that uh, that was the one that I didn't add, which is it does have a set. It does have a set time yeah, slot. Yeah, and it's kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine. Like, the wrestling isn't the best, and it's really campy and corny, but it kind of like it, it's kind of fun for, like, a late weekend night viewing, you know, like the old glow stuff. And and then, you know, it's, it's already been announced. She already announced it already. So in a couple of months, you know, it's going to be fun to see Ruby Rays out there with her character because she just, you know, signed to do WoW, and it's going to be fun watching her. And, I'm, you know, she's a friend of mine, a big supporter of her, so... I'll definitely tune in when th- those episodes are. But right now, I kind of just tune in and out. And it's sometimes, like, fun because of the campiness. And it's also sometimes f- fun because some of the matches could be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just laugh about it. And I, I don't really get frustrated about it because it's, it's, it's not supposed to be, like, this great, great wrestling. Though they do have some moments. And you have Tessa Blanchard, who's really entertaining to watch. And um, some people, I don't, even, I don't even know who they are. Of course, they change a lot of names and... But it's an entertaining show, so I definitely will watch it at my leisure. I DVR it. I'll just, you know, here and there, I'll, I'll catch the episode. And I have nothing else to watch. I kind of just throw it on. Interestingly enough, my dad asked me the other day, he's like, who's Tessa Blanchard? <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's, uh, you know, she's probably the, you know, the the best uh, U.S. Uh, female going today. If not, she's, you know, in the top few and he's like, oh, yeah, I was watching her on this show called Wow. I was like, oh, you're one of the uh, the few who watches that show. You know what's weird is that my father-in-law and my mother-in-law brought that show up at dinner tonight. So, yeah, there's a show called Wow. It's all women wrestling. And my mother-in-law was like, women actually do that? <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's just funny how, you know, people stumble upon it on access. And what's the sad part is 
probably not going to be on Axis for too long. They have a commitment for season three, which is coming up. And then after that, I don't think they're going to be on Axis anymore. They got to find a new home, which has caused a lot of, a lot of drama backstage at the last taping from what I understand. So, and that's too bad because I think initially the show, uh, and you know, Jeannie Buss, who, mm-hmm. who runs the Lakers is kind of involved in that. Um, and, and they were trying to use the momentum off of that glow show, uh, the Netflix show, which I think is also going to be in its last season, but just critically acclaimed. Lots of people love that show. And I think they were trying to use the momentum off of that show to create an all women's wrestling show based off of the old glow from, you know, back when we were kids. And, you know, I think, this is, you know, not everything's going to work. And it, it gave an opportunity for a lot of women to, to be on a show. And, you know, you and I have talked about Santana Garrett, who I think she's now in WWE. Yep. And literally, like, sm- like absolutely beautiful. The one time I saw her at Cauliflower Alley in the same elevator, I was like, "Whoa!" Like this is a this is someone who uh, is 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 one of those where you just go, "That is how is she the same species as the rest of us?" Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the reason why I brought up that schedule is because I've been feeling you know a little bit of a pull uh, tug of war a little bit for my for time. And a lot of it is based off of NWA power. And so last week, I think I said that, you know, I, I was because I had to do an interview with uh, Big Dave and also David Lagana, and I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to have watched the show. And I think I'm taking it out of the rotation, mm-hmm. but I'm going to explain why. And uh, I wrote, I jotted down some notes, watched all three episodes. I, I think the show is completely enjoyable. But I don't know if there's enough that is important that happens on that show to make me think that I need to watch it because I don't want to miss out. Um, you and I know what studio wrestling looks like from when we were younger, and and this is an attempt to go back to that to to go back to those you know those old days of of reminiscing and and what that was about. And I and for that you know it it does make me feel all good inside because of of what that wrestling from when I was growing up means um but I think the thing about that old studio wrestling that really sticks out in my mind is just star power when you have Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and JJ Dillon and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and you know all these all these sort of bigger than life characters on the screen um that you you can do that show because i'm going like wow like who are these guys and i you know these guys are so cool even the bad guys are so cool and i can't wait to see dusty Rhodes get his hands on rick flair and you know we would never see it because it was always going to happen on a great american bash tour um, it was going to happen at the Omni in Atlanta that we could never see. And then finally, they got in the pay-per-view game. So we did get to see some of that stuff. But generally, that TV was built to house shows that we could never see. And so when I'm thinking about that, that you know, that's probably not the, the best description of why it's special. 
but all all they did was like you, basically they they had a product that you couldn't see, so it just made it seem even more bigger than life. Because like you're like, ah, oh, I wish I wish I would have saw that. Now I gotta read in the wrestling magazines to see what happened. And so when I'm watching NWA, I sort of feel the same way in that everything is told in a very slow way. Like these these storylines are gonna be really long. Um, nothing's going to really happen and you have to really stay with it to, to kind of get the payoff. Um, but I don't find that the star power is there to hook me like that old studio wrestling did. Now, I think, I think all this is great. Him and Camille are an absolute a plus duo. Like, like that duo could main event WWE could main event AEW. They they could go to Japan and do a program in Japan. Like that duo is top notch. But when you when you go beneath those two, I'm not sure what is there to hook me. Like so, I, I wrote a couple of names down. Eli Drake. I cannot stand Eli Drake. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate copycat of late '90s pro wrestling to me. Like, he doesn't have an original vibe in his body. Aaron Stevens, weird. I, the, the actor thing is kind of weird. It's sort of ironic. Um, you know, it's not, I, I'm not sure how I feel, but I know who he is, and I've seen him in WWE for many, 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 many years. Never stood out to me as, like, this, like, super, super top star. I know he's good. I know that he's, you know, he he can he can wrestle. I but never thought that, you know what? I'm going to fork my 50 bucks down to watch this guy main event a show. Um James Storm, too much of that TNA like stain to me to take him super seriously on this show. So, already to me, there's one guy and one guy only who stands above the rest. And he's a star, and everyone else is just kind of like ha- already has a, a a stain from something else that makes me not really super interested in them. And so then I looked at like, okay, well, who are these young guys? Like, who who are going to be the next the next guys? And um, I thought uh, that kid Ricky Starks, I thought he was really good. And I was watching episode three of the show, just thinking like, when is this kid going to come on? Like, I can't wait to see this kid. Like. You know, Colt Cabana's fine, but I've seen Colt Cabana for like 15 years now. Like, you know, show me something different. You know, Josephus, like whatever. Even Tim, even Nick Aldis was like, eh, I'm not sure about Josephus. Um, and so, you know, Tim Storm, cool story. Uh, I think, you know, they've, they, they've done a really good job at making him to be a relevant character. And, I you know, you can sort of relate to him. He's like, you know, he's older than us, but just... Normal dude, you know, teacher, loves his mom, cool guy. I I just don't I just don't know that there's enough with those guys and that product to where I'm like, you know what? Six oh five every Tuesday, gotta watch. Like I tried, but I just it's the, like when we have AEW and NXT and I'm saying today, you know, eh, Raw's not good enough. SmackDown's not good enough. Um, New Japan pay-per-views, I'm watching those. Um, any you know, any WWE pay-per-views, I'm watching those. Where does NWA power fit in that 
you know, in that schedule for me, I just, I can't, I can't make the argument for it that I'm going to make time. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue with it because it's just an easy watch for me. And I understand what you're talking about, star power. And there's some guys that have been around for a long time. We've seen him. But, uh, like, like I, don't, I think Ken Anderson is just, a, like, a waste of signing. I, I think he's a lot of, a lot of hype. He's never, really, he's never really reached his potential. And I feel like I've seen 2,000 Ken Anderson matches in my life. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like, but... They got to start a foundation somewhere, so it's interesting to see who, who they can bring through, who they can find as they continue. That'd be interesting to see. I got deflated recently because I found out they're, you know, and I found out they're building to a pay per view in December, which is fine and cool. <coughs> but then I find out the pay per view is going to be in the studio where they're taping these TV tapings. Yep. And to me, it's like you have the studio show to build to a bigger show. And the bigger show should be in a bigger building. I'm not saying go book the Omni, but book a 2,000 seat building, right? And draw. Do they, th- do they think they could sell it? I don't know, but I think I think they could. I think they could do all right. You know, I don't know if they could sell out, but I think they could draw a thousand to fifteen hundred people to kind of make it look, you know, look. They could go old school and darken the darken the building around the ring. You know, they could do that. And I don't know. I just was like when I heard that news, I was kind of like, ugh. Uh, and and also with the NWA show, I noticed power. Like I, I see, a, I don't know who's booking it. If it's Lagana or Cor, Corbin or one of the boys that are they have there booking it. But I see a lot of inexperienced booking when they're rushing storylines through. Um, I think there's a lot that they're kind of quickly going through. Like right off the bat, you just started the show and you're already having issues between Camille and all this or teasing that. And that's something that that should happen six months down the line. Once this this group these two this twosome is established, you know, and um, a couple, you know, just a couple other things like that. I thought, like, wow, man, they're kind of rushing through things. Uh, the there's some some goofiness. The Josephus stuff was kind of weird. Um, his stuff, the last couple episodes haven't been haven't been that good. I I think he was better when he was a little more menacing with the long hair and actually looked like something. Now he kind of has a short hair; it doesn't look like much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep it going just to just to see. And I know they have another ta- TV taping coming up in um, in December around that pay per view. So maybe they'll add some new fresh talent and and see how it goes there. But I, I think I'll just right now Tuesday nights, no big deal. Throw it on before I go to bed. It's a quick hour. Uh, but I think to, you know probably the next six months I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah, with the <coughs> excuse me with the NBA back. Um, and you know the the uh, the broadcast TV shows back and so much good stuff that you can you know they're watching through Amazon like I just it's just I was like ah eh. you know the only way I could find time to watch stuff like that is when I'm at the gym doing cardio or like you know if I'm you know up super early and and kind of in the middle of you know drinking coffee and starting work but. There's there's so much other stuff that 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 is is good to where if I don't enjoy it a hundred percent because it's not an established thing and you know I'm not going to be doing shows with I, I don't imagine at least you know with, with Meltzer and and folks relating to that NWA power to where I have to fully keep up with it but um, but yeah so you know I think I think I'm going to pull back I I thought you know the positives obviously easy watch like you said you never feel like you wasted your time which you often do when you watch WWE 
Um, and, you know, I think the second biggest star on that show is Jim Cornette. Yeah, he's great. I mean, that's one of the reasons why why I watch it because he's so entertaining on that on that uh, color commentary position. And and Joe Galli is actually pretty pretty good, though. I don't. Is that, the, is that the young kid? Yeah, yeah. I think he has a really good voice and he's doing well. I the only thing I don't like is he. They've had him in a couple interviews. He's interviewed a couple people and like they kind of treat him with a little disrespect. Like he's the host. Like I don't care about Dave Marquez. Like you treat him like a goofball because he is. But like. Not your lead play-by-play guy. I don't think Eli Drake should just kind of try to, you know, punk him out. Because it took a while for, like, Michael Cole to get through that with a rock, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm, I'm with you on Eli Drake. I think he has some talent. Um, I just, when he starts talking, and he's a good talker, like, he has a good delivery, but he just screams copycat of the rock yeah. in, in Austin, like a mixture of those two guys. and yep. And but I think you know, like he found his own voice with it. I think he'd be he'd be really good. Uh, you, so you were talking about the announcer. The other thing I don't like is he comes across as sort of a heel when he um, asks Aldis why Aldis doesn't let mm-hmm. Camille talk, and he obviously let her talk last time, and she had nothing to say. And then he did it again in week three, and she had nothing to say, and he just comes off like a dick, <laughs> like. Well. They rushed the storyline. Like episode one, there, there's, there's, a, there's an incident with them, and it leads into something now. Like, like I just, like I said, you have to establish them as a unit. And I know people are like, well, if they, they have been on their, uh, ten pounds of gold series, but like, you know, a lot of people that they've brought into the watching the show maybe didn't follow the ten pounds of gold series, right? I mean, I didn't follow. I watched the episode here and there, but you know, for the most part, I missed ninety percent of them. So. I think you kind of got to start from episode one, start over again to see to get these new pe- viewers back into who these people are. Like, like that match with Tim Storm and Tom, and Tim Aldis should have happened f- uh, four weeks later, not the first week. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, let's move on to our uh, discussion on NXT versus AEW. Uh, this is week four of the head to head, and. I think um, both shows were really good in in different ways. AEW felt super hot. Like, that live crowd, for whatever reason, was just going nuts pretty much for the whole time. And I liked the way that they focused on uh, on a, a few individuals. Like, like, if you didn't know anything about AEW, uh, a major take... The two major takeaways are... Uh, Cody Rhodes is getting uh, is the babyface, and Chris Jericho is this crybaby heel, and that uh, Kenny Omega is your top babyface, uh, second maybe maybe number two babyface, and uh, John Moxley is just this crazy badass dude. And I think if those are your takeaways, then they did a good job because those are the top two matches uh, at the pay per view. And then underneath that, you know, there's there's younger uh, there, there's the tag team tournament that you're doing, and obviously Private Party is 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 in another showcase match, um, and it's almost like you know it's almost it, it, this is kind of interesting, and I want your take on this, which is if you have Private Party on AEW because you don't have the super talent roster that WWE has. You don't have the benefit of being able to hide these guys for three months as they work matches and they get better for for TV. 
they, you just put them on TV and hope that the athleticism gets over and that it can hide those weaknesses and that you have some veteran tag teams that can really carry the matches so that they don't look like, you know, crazy green guys, even though they're, they're green guys. But the NXT way or the WWE way is to, you know, maybe hide them in developmental and only bring them up when they're way more polished. But I feel like for this audience, at least for that live audience, the fact that they were green and that they were new and that they were doing these crazy moves accentuated what they meant to AEW, whereas WWE would never even let them go on TV. Yeah, I wouldn't let those guys go on TV after that performance they had on that show. Oh, they were really bad. That was a the opener was I was just pulling my hair out how bad that match was. And I know it got over to their audience, but you could also poop in a in a two piece of bread and I think they would like it. But at that match, that open match, I was like, Man, this is bad, people. This is so bad. I mean, literally, one member of Party City, like, got <laughs> I think it was Quinn. He's selling, and he walks over. He walks over, bends down, so the Lucha Brothers could put the other partner on top of him to do, like, some kind of move. And I'm just like, holy shit, that was horrible. And the people loved it, of course. Like I said, they love everything there. But, like, I'm just like, these guys are not ready. It was really sloppy. It went too long. There was moments where they had the crowd, the right, right, the right moment to go home. They just kept going longer and longer, and I'm like, Man, I was totally out of it. But once I saw that that spot with the walking into that move, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this match. Let's move on to the next one. I actually liked this match. Even uh, I didn't like the Young Bucks match very much, but I actually liked this match because I saw a lot of the inadequacies that you saw. But then they would able then they were able to come back with something that the fans just got louder for. And then I would go, ah, oh, there, here's another mistake. And then they did something that, you know, the fans would get louder for again. The athleticism is off the is off the chain. But because they were with the Luchadors, um, the Lucha Brothers, sorry. Those, uh, sp- especially Ray Phoenix, those guys are so good that the match and the way that it, it, it finished, like, I I thought it was, it was, it was a really good opener and with as green as as private party are there is something about them that connects to that crowd now i'm watching this going like and i don't know the difference between the two guys as far as their names but like the bending over for the spot and like the weird like the not like trying to like you can see one of them especially thinking through how am i supposed to sell this and get into the get into my spot into the, the the next thing so that we can do our next move like he's thinking like aloud like you can see it in his face and in his motions mm-hmm. and i'm just like ah oh, this sucks but then they'll do something else like oh well that was really good and so you're just i just have a mixed emotions when that when i watch these guys wrestle but for whatever reason to that crowd there's a weird charisma with those guys and they're way over, and I think I think we're gonna see them in opening matches a, a lot more because you can, you know, maybe maybe later in the show, maybe you get to the middle of the show, and the crowd is not as hot, and 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 you moan and groan a little bit for that stuff. But 
I was totally fine with them this week when I wasn't in in that Young Bucks match, and I don't I don't know exactly why, but I think because that Pittsburgh crowd was so hot, I was just like, okay, like I can't like stop, I can't just keep saying this match sucks, and they're loving it because, and and here's and here's the thing that that I thought about, and, and it's kind of funny the thing that that I'm gonna that I'm gonna tell you, um, Mick Foley's first book. In that first book, everything about what he did was based on a live crowd and the and the the house uh, the 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 audience reaction. Like he like he would even write out in words the sound that the crowd made. And so I'm just I'm watching this match going like okay like that kind of sucks that okay well then why why is this crowd like going crazy for this thing? And if you're a private party. And you're listening to the crowd and you're basing the things, you know, not, not, I don't think they're basing what they're doing on the crowd. Cause you know, they probably laid out that match already, but they're hearing that this crazy flip dive that they do is working. So your crowd is telling you, here are the things that are working. And so you just keep doing them because that's what the crowd is saying is working. And you know, if I go back to that Mick Foley book, he's working every single match based off of what that crowd is telling him, and he is almost a slave to that crowd pop. And now today, with WWE and NXT and TV, they're not a slave to the crowd pop anymore because the crowd doesn't pop anymore because for whatever reason, and so they're just sort of doing matches. Now, the NXT crowd, I thought, was actually pretty good this week, but... You know, you can watch Raw and SmackDown and even pay-per-views. And the crowd just sits on their hands for the most part. And so if you're a wrestler, you don't even know what works and what doesn't because that crowd isn't giving you anything. And I think that's a little bit of a difference for AEW in that the crowd is really vocal, at least right now, very early in the ballgame. They're really vocal in what they like and what they don't like. So if I'm Tony Khan and I'm like, oof, that private party match is a little rough... And then I go, but wait, this crowd freaking loves it. I'm throwing those guys out there again. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't take them off of live TV and say you guys need to work, you know, matches uh, at at, at, um, at you know on the indies to get better because the live crowd is telling me, and you know, you're you're drawing because you know the the ratings are fine for your matches. This is what you, this is what they want. So I can't take you off of TV. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't think they're ever gonna learn i i mean they, i guess they'll learn eventually when they get injured and they gotta learn how to work but like mm-hmm. i just don't see anyone there telling them oh man you gotta work on this you gotta fix that you gotta tighten this up i think this is just the style that they're gonna do and that's the AEW style but i want to see what's gonna happen you know 10 weeks down the line when they're still having these matches and the crowds just they see this like weekly now right all these big moves what can they do to top that and it's going to be interesting to see how that goes i was just frustrated that, i mean that's me that's what i learned right the technical stuff and how to properly do stuff when to do it and all that i mean i i came from you know i was a, a manager i was never a wrestler but when i was with my guys when we went over matches and talked about matches what they're going to do and i've I was there when people would bring up shit like, hey, we're going to do this, this, and that. And then and the guys I'm with would be like, no. <laughs> because you're going to make me look like a fucking idiot. Like, right. for, exa- right. for example, like Quinn, uh, the guy with the, uh, the, the coattails and, the, and the, 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 the blonde highlights. 
he has some talent. He's a talented guy. Like, he can see, like, there's something in him. I really think he should be a singles wrestler down the line sooner than later, maybe. Um, and, you know, there's a point when he's just bending now, asshole out, and Ray Phoenix just double stomps into the back, stiff. And it was like he had to sit there bent over like an idiot just because Ray Phoenix wants to do this move. Like, like yep, yep. And that's the luchador way. Luchadors don't care about anything but getting themselves over. And it was just, it was just so frustrating to watch for me because, I mean, it's just my upbringing in wrestling, you know. That's that. I mean, I have seen arguments happen in the locker room, and frustration when people don't get to get their way. But at the end of the day, like they don't, you know, you know, you want them to have the match and everyone get over. And you know, to this crowd, they all did. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny this crowd does not love them. But like, what's gonna happen, you know? few months down the line when they're still doing these matches and now the crowd's like okay we've seen this before now give us something else yeah and then that's going to be the challenge which is how do we take this to the next level with a fan base who is uh you know maybe a little finicky when it comes to that stuff but you know but we'll see we'll have to get there uh we'll have to look at that when when we get there now and then like did you also think like the three tag matches all were similar they definitely were except okay except dark web and um who was it uh oh scu that was more of a traditional tag match and i was actually kind of surprised by it because i'm not a big fan of the dark web or i call it the dark web because that's why i think dark order <laughs> that's why i think their name should be <laughs> and the dark internet it's just a, a dark web because you got a guy who in a mask oh by the way dude how much do you love jim ross making fun of uh was it player uno's name like he hates that. He hates that name. You can just tell every time he says it, it's the best. You know, I know people don't like Jim Ross. Oh, he's the he's greatest. Fucking awesome. He's on the man. This show. He's the man. And, oh, and it gets. And then Shivani got into it later during the uh, best friends match with the, the Young Bucks. I mean, he obviously does not like Orange Cassidy. He thinks he's a waste of time. I mean, it was just just classics. That that was probably my favorite part of the show. That, that's not my favorite. The great angle they did was my favorite part of the show. But but uh, but then I'm watching this match, the Dark Web and the SCU, and I'm like, okay, it's they're slowing the pace down. The, I, the the Dark Web guys are you know are inexperienced and green, and then they get really inexperienced and green in a second here. But all of a sudden, in the middle of their match, out comes the Inner Circle, Jericho, right? And totally takes away from this match. Mm-hmm. What they need to do is go to com- you know commercial break halfway through the match, and just before they go to commercial break, all right, folks, we're gonna go to commercial break. We'll be right back. But just before you do, you go, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The crowd starts reacting. Then you see the inner circle come in, and then they go up during the commercial break. You're not just focusing on them walking up the stairs for felt like five minutes, and then you come back. Now they're in their booth, right? And now the match has settled down. Now they can kind of start over and get the crowd back into it. And by the way, if you notice, player Uno like has no clue what to do in this situation. Like <laughs> he starts raking the eye. Kazarian's like, just give me a fucking headlock, bro. Like, dude, mm-hmm. dude, snap, Meredith, dude, slap a headlock on. Let him get up to the up to the press box. Like that's totally inexperienced there because they, they've never done they've never done TV. They, 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 yeah, like, and and that's why that's why SCU is there. Yeah, 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 and they and they were good. You know, SCU's and I like them a lot. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, and in the best friends match, I just felt like I thought it was better than the opener because Young Bucks. No, it's a better overall match because for they sure. have the experience and execution wise. I think they're just just way above. Obviously, they're going to be way above you know private party in that situation but but oh man but the, what made that best friends young bus match for me my goodness was just tony Schiavone finally letting it go 
letting go his frustration about some of the shit he has to watch and it has and it, we know orange cassie hits a button with that guy because he just and then like i think at one point excalibur's is like i think this this orange cassie like walk by and distract the young buck and then like excalibur goes sloth like motion <laughs> and then they jim ross and shivani just lose it they just like start laughing about the sloth like comment and then like shivani tries to cover up like oh oh you're okay excalibur we're just you're just making fun of you kind of like you know yeah keep it up keep it up like yeah you're entertaining because how, how bad you are and then at the end i think uh nick jackson does a big dive out on on uh, trent and and orange cassidy and Shivani's like what's orange cassidy doing out there why is was he riding him like why is he riding trent's back like he's just losing it on this and that's what made entertaining me but for the most part i thought most of the tag match was the same and i'm like i just well, saw this i mean that there there was a that was kind of like a, a test for them it was like okay you're 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 doing three tag matches back to back to back and you're the, the aw style is is sort of similar in all these matches mm-hmm. you know super action you know no no rest holds like everything is action 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 and the, the 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 thing that I know is that they are using everything as uh, a sort of basically a learned uh, lesson off of what the the ratings have said so far. And so you you know I think Meltzer mentioned this on on War rec- uh, on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio recently, which is that you know they're not going to do a squash match. Um, he he mentioned something about squash matches and and commercial breaks. Uh, the lesson learned this week for both shows was that matches that had two commercial breaks actually lost viewers. Hmm. And so uh, what I wonder is is if they're gonna you know is if either they make the matches shorter or they make sure that the match with the two commercial breaks is like the tippity top stars. But it's just stuff like that where we're both you know we're Tony Khan and and you know the executives on that staff are sort of figuring out what what fans want and what fans don't want so you know based on the ratings i'm sure they'll they'll figure out was three tag team matches back to back to back to open the show the right thing to do was the jericho and cody feud with the two factions was that enough to kind of break up the monotony in that you know to where it was fine but you know it wasn't back to back to back because they had jericho janela omega janela and they had didn't brand oh no no brandy brandy Britt Brit Baker and uh, Jamie Hayter, they no, they were before the main events, right? They were after the Bucks, yeah, because they had a hard time getting the crowd. I mean, the crowd was into Britt Baker being local, but but uh, yeah, it was it was tough to kind of go after that match, all those moves. Um, so the uh, the NXT show I thought was really really solid. And, like, when I watch that show, like, I'm waiting for someone to kind of stand out of the pack. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the, N- the NXT brand, the NXT brand, the NXT brand. Like, Morrow hits that really hard. And the one guy who I thought by the end of the show who did was Finn Balor because of whatever that, you know, his, his, his heel turn at the end. But I feel like, and and it's probably his, you know, his WWE as as terrible as as his WWE run was. You know, he he does get, you know, there is a more of a polished version uh, of his character, even though the push sucked. I felt that he figured out how to 
showcase himself out of the rest of the pack because if you watch that if you watch that end segment the the main event angle where you have uh the undisputed era and then Ciampa and Gargano and Finn Balor come out it's very similar to what the Jericho thing with Cody was with the exception that of, of that that small heel turn and I felt like Finn was like hey I'm gonna get the most out of this thing because you know, I need to stand out here. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna be working heel against Gargano. Gargano's like the most beloved guy. I, I need to be the biggest jackass and do the. Cra- and then he does that crazy, mm-hmm. that implant DDT or that whatever that brainbuster was. That was like, I was like, oh my god, like what are you doing, dude? But that move stood out. Like he stood out, and I, I felt like finally, like I'm watching NXT for the last six weeks, and nobody really stands out personally. Even though there are great matches up and down this show, the two people, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't say Finn was the only one, the two people that stood out to me were Rhea Ripley in the first match and Finn Balor. And everyone else is sort of under this, like, sort of at the same level. Even Adam Cole, who's the champion, um, even, even Matt Riddle, like, I, I've seen Matt Riddle, you know, outside of NXT. Um, live and just be like the most gigantic superstar. Now he had a really good match. I think the crowd really loves him. He looks like he's back on his ascent up. But, you know, you even have like, you know, Roderick Strong, Keith Lee, Dijek. That match was so good. And at the end, I was like, okay, but it's still the NXT brand and these guys are at a certain level. And then Finn Balor comes out and I'm like, okay, like he's figured it out. Like now I'm ready to see him become like the biggest badass on this show. I mean, that's what NXT is making him the biggest badass on the show. I mean, his heel turn yeah. was definitely planned for some time. He's been teasing it for some time. Um, it still caught me off guard, though. I was like, I was... It was so good. It was really well executed. Um, this whole show was well executed. Uh, things were leading into next week's show really well. I mean, I mean, by the by the end of the show, I'm, I already know the... Ma- they, I didn't have to see the matches they're announcing. Sorry, you could, just, you could just feel... It's just well laid out. It's always been well laid out show. Um, the opener, they, gen- they generally, it, it's just very logical. The matches, it's just a that they really make. good wrestling show, and and the matches are really good. I thought Rhea Ripley and Bianca Blair was just a peek right into that future of top ladies. Right, Bianca Blair is definitely stepping up her game. Rhea looked great. Um, I love what they did with Io and Candice. Uh, then they, you know, then they had Riddle and, and Cameron Grimes had a great match. The only negative I could say, the only negative I want to say about this match, and I hate to say negative because it was probably my <laughs> second favorite matches match, second favorite match of the two shows, was the fact that Cameron Grimes lost. I thought maybe this match should have been done at Takeover, right? Like I would have been okay with it. I just, especially after booking Cameron Grimes to kind of just squash people within seconds. I thought they could have held off and and did this match later, but yeah, I was a little surprised that they went directly to this match based off of what he's done. And then when I saw the match, I was like, okay, he uh, he lost to maybe the best guy in the whole company, and he was competitive. He had a great match. And then I was like, you know, Riddle was like, hey, bro, wants to do the fist bump. Mm-hmm. He was like, nope, I'm not doing the fist bump because I'm a heel and I'm pissed that I lost. And then I thought. Okay, now go to commercial. Why did Tyler Bate punch? I mean, I know why Tyler Bate punched him in the face because they're moving on to that as a feud, which is going to be really good. But like you said, they built him, built him, built him, built him, and then he looks like a jabroni at the end of the match. I don't think he looked like a jabroni. He looked like, you know, because he shoved Tyler Bate down or back. 
And so, you know, he's a he's a fighting Brit, man. He's going to respond with his fist, right? So I, I know, but I didn't want to see that at all. I wanted to see him what you do? go Just out. See him, like, you know, one of the people love about that angle with AEW with Cody is, like, he went straight forward at Jericho, right, as a strong baby face. Same thing with Tyler Bate. Like, hey, you're pushing me, I'm no, going to no. knock you out. I didn't want Cameron Grimes to have Tyler Bate in his vicinity. I wanted him to be pissed off that he lost, mm-hmm. and I wanted him to say, I'm not shaking, I'm not fist bumping you, dude. And then he goes to the back all pissed off. Like, because, you know, he he is a guy. He's not he's not someone who they're not going to be behind. And then they could have done the Tyler Bate thing after. Like, I, I don't understand what the Tyler Bate thing like, why did it have to be now? And, and, you know, they could have done it. They could have saved it. But I, I, I like Cameron Grimes. You've told me three weeks in a row or four weeks or whatever that he's the real deal because he keeps winning these matches really fast. Now he loses to one of the top guys. Great. It was competitive. Let him, you know, you don't have to do anything after that to go to the next feud so quickly. Just he lost. Okay, now he's got to rebuild back, and he's going to have this feud with Tyler Bate. I just didn't think he needed to to be knocked out at the end of that thing. I thought great match. You saved you saved face. You lost nothing. You don't need to get knocked out by the next guy you're facing. Yeah, I, I worry about their match next week. That Bate will win that match because I do know Bate. You know, they have some big plans for him. So oh yeah, oh yeah. And I just don't want to see him lose two weeks in a row. But maybe something will happen here. Well, I'll wait to see. I want to judge it to that. I just, I just kind of like their building of Cameron Grimes, and I was just like a little, little shocked that oh they're doing this match already. And granted, like they had a great match, and I think both men still got over, even though he lost. I think, I mean, Cameron Grimes showed that man, this guy can freaking really go. And it's so yeah. It's that that's that's the point for me. It was like leave it there. Like he got over, Riddle got over, leave it there. It was so funny because I was like man, and, and TNA I never thought like I seen his matches playing matches of TNA, and I just never thought like wow this guy. Is anything special? A good athlete, you know, has a unique look, but like nothing kind of stood out to me. All of a sudden, he comes as Cameron Grimes. They put a little, they put a, a vest on him and a hat, and he just, I don't know. It just, it just, it just he kind of just, they kind of definitely elevated him. But mm-hmm. we'll see what it goes with that. And like I, like I thought, like I said, the whole show was was pretty good. Um, Swerve, they they're really high on him. Triple H loves that guy, so he did. awesome. Yes, so awesome. I, I didn't like him with Fandango and 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 uh, Breeze. Like I was like, ah, I get, that's the change the channel tag team to me. But man, Swerve is he he's he he made the most of that thing. He was so good in that match. I tell you who stood out the show was I think who, who, two guys that hit a home run was uh, Keith Lee and Dajakovic. I thought absolutely. I thought like they really just stepped up. That main event was and I. You know, I like. I'm not a big fan of three ways, but three ways are supposed to be the spot fest matches, right? Yeah, they 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 have to. They're gonna be all this action in and out. And Dijakovic for me really is standing out as a player. I can definitely see Vince loving that guy and bringing him up. But right now, I think they, NXT definitely needs him. And the Keith Lee was. I thought he looked his best. He's been and and Roddy's always. He's just reliable man. He's a solid worker and he kept it all together and. Yeah, like I said, I thought this whole show was just really well done. And I like AEW's, too, for the most part. I liked the big angle they did. Um, what did you think of Omega and Janela? I, I just didn't like that match because... Well, I mean, it's the same problem that we talked about with their dark match, which is Janela just got too much stuff in. Like, what, they, yeah, Omega exactly. needs to be... Like, they need to make Omega. He doesn't need to be making other guys. They need to... To that fan base, he needs to be presented as 
the uh, the baby face badass that he is, and when he's selling for, you know, Janela with he's little and he doesn't have a great body and he's doing all you know he's more of a hardcore guy like i like i get it there there is a, a fan they, part of the AEW fan base really loves janella they love that you know that story of that anybody no matter the size no matter you know doesn't have to be this chiseled you know 6 foot guy that they they could actually you know win matches too but we're talking about setting the table for Omega being a star, mm-hmm. why is he selling so much for Joey Janela? And it's funny because people would get on WWE's case for like, why are you booking backwards with the big hardcore match and having a regular singles match? And here you go. You know, AEW does the same exact thing. I'm thinking like, why are we just having a standard regular match with these guys? They just, I saw them. It's, it's almost like they didn't, it's almost like the AEW dark match didn't even happen. Yeah, I mean, they, they showed highlight of it. They did acknowledge it, but now they're having a regular match. And I think it's they told the story in reverse. Like, with the hardcore gimmick, we can you can kind of see Janela maybe with with the weapons getting some stuff on Omega. But, like, in a regular standard match, it should have been five minutes in, or less, right, with One Week Angel and be done with it. Um, I didn't like that. Also, didn't like the uh, same thing with Riddle and Cole. Like the next week, they didn't follow up with an interview with Riddle on NXT. I thought they could have had a nice little, you know, forty-five second, thirty-second little promo, little follow-up with Riddle after his great uh, title it's match. A, it's almost, it's almost like they don't want to give him a microphone. But like they didn't do anything with Darby Allen. True. Like True. I, he, not, not one little moment. I think you could have took. A couple of those matches, those tag matches, could have swiped five minutes off. A lot of them would have been even made, made them a little better. Well, you know, they added uh, Omega and Janelle at the last minute. Maybe because the, I assume because the the YouTube dark numbers for that was really impressive. So I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that is, but I think they, I think they thought, you know, we are missing. You know, th- this show's going to be really good. But if we add this, it could be really great. And I think that's that's why they did it. But that 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 in of itself, though, is. A little bit. You sometimes you do have to be a little bit more disciplined to do more storytelling in lieu of having a hot match. Yeah. You know. And I thought the main event was a good match. Um, not great, but I did you call? Good. Did you call the draw before uh, the time limit drop? Yeah, before? because I noticed like, man, they only got like because all these matches go really long, and I'm like, man, they only got like what, 15 or not even 15. It felt like less than that. Uh, but I actually liked the draw because I think you need to establish the draw. And I like that the crowd was actually into that. They are kind of, you know, really, they seem to be with it, right, with the story. They didn't feel disappointed. Um, I don't think Moxley knows how to sell a draw and his disappointment. I don't know. It just looked, he looked, he looked awkward in that. Uh, there was a weird moment, though. I think, like, Moxley did a dive out on Pac or Pac, and he crashes into Pac. But then Pac was the first one in the ring. <laughs> Back in the ring, I'm like, dude, you just took the move. Why is, you know, <laughs> it was just funny, kind of funny to me. But um, they had to get to the next. They thing, had to get man. to the next thing. Um, yeah, I think you know, Omega never got involved with that. It was kind of interesting. I thought Omega should have been maybe somehow within this match or causing some kind of distraction for Moxley to keep building up that program. But overall, man, I like that. I, I love, I love the angle. The angle with Cody and Jericho was fantastic. Like Jericho, I mean, Cody knows. <laughs> Cody knows how to book himself, right? Mm-hmm. He knows how to book himself as a superhero and ultimate baby face. I thought all that stuff was great. Now I felt like there's an eight man tag coming up next maybe next show. Well they did they did the eight man tag on Dark, but not with not against Jericho's crew, but it was almost like with DDP with it? Here here's my team. No, 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 he wasn't in oh. it, but 
Yeah, they did. They did an eight man the the previous. Yeah, week I think I think they should do the eight man tag maybe next week with. Uh, and I think DDP maybe if he can't wrestle, I think you do something where like he's taken out right now. It's three on three on four thing. Yeah, because it's the go home, right? Yeah, next it's the go, go home. home. And I think you can, you know, and Cody doesn't have to pin Jericho, but he can pin Santana or Ortiz or you know, yeah, and then uh, or or maybe uh, or maybe Jericho. Uh, wins by Hager showing up and helping out, you know. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Hager's got a fight to win this weekend. That's true. If he doesn't win, Bill Watts will keep on fire. <laughs> We're gonna fire him. I hope he wins, though. I think I think he will. So the one thing I want to point out is uh, how Keith Lee saved that Tower of Doom spot. Mm, that was scary on man. NXT. Oh my god! How did that get saved, man? Whew. That was nuts. I thought someone was gonna die. I was so scared, but that guy's so strong. <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah. Keith Lee, something, man. I, I hope they. I hope they. I really. I kind of. I kind of feel like Vince McMahon won't get him. So maybe it's good that he's in NXT. But man, that guy's talented. You know what I love about this whole NXT on Wednesdays is like, there's no rush to call these guys up now, right? And they're getting paid a little more. And and uh, now that it's on a, you know on usa and the con you know money's good and and so i and they need these guys right every monday so there's no need i think i think you're gonna see a little bit less and less go up because they need it for this show and i to me I'm, I'm okay with it like this is my you know this is one of my favorite shows of the week and like i say it's a good solid wrestling show um i like a lot of the talent i'm really into the undisputed era um i missed imperium this week but i get it why they weren't on it but um you know they you know they you you know they're they're busy doing some other stuff with the UK and it's, they're gonna be in and out. I like the idea that they're gonna bring these people in and out. Um, though you know Leo Rush, I thought bombed on the commentary though. That was <laughs> that was one <laughs> thing that stood out. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 a good sh- it's a good show. I mean it's a, it's fun, man. Wednesday night's fun. It's just a little you know because I'm older now, gonna be forty two on next Tuesday, and with kids and it's a struggle man it's a struggle to do both shows in one night but i feel like i have to i feel like i have to Mm -hmm. finish it and i've been like you know but like this show i started getting a little tired but then all of a sudden like that that last that 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 three-way match really woke me up i think this is just just great and that and you know it's something too different I i didn't realize this until someone pointed out to me today uh how lighter it was nxt tv Lighter, like the, uh, the 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 crowd was not dark. You can see the crowd behind the wrestlers now, mm. which I think mm. is a great thing because even though that building is a smaller building and it's a smaller crowd, I think when they show the entrances, they come out and you see the people. I think it looks great, and I, I like that they kept it. So I'm going to give you an analogy to what I think AEW is as uh, compared to NXT. So. I sort of see AEW as like teeny bopper pop music where real musicians kind of get frustrated with pop music mm. because they don't find it to be, uh, you know, very, very good. And, and and what pop music is, is, is they're trying to make something very simplistic uh, because, you know, they don't necessarily, you don't, you know, if you're a music fan... Um, you know, an earworm is 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 going to be played more than you know something that's a little bit more complex, and so that you know that's pop music in a nutshell, right? That's why you know top forty radio and and gets the most listeners is because you know you just sort of you know, not everyone needs 
something difficult in their life, right? They're looking for easy things, something catchy. And I sort of see AEW in that way. You know, we talk about Private Party. Um, they're, they're sort of like pop music. It's like something simplistic, um, you know, look, you're trying to appease a younger demographic, right? Because I think AEW, I want to say AEW's um, average uh, age for their viewership this week, I think it was like 13 years younger mm. than NXT or something like that. So, um, and it, it reminded me when I sort of started thinking of it this way, and you know, that's kind of you know, I, I, I'm a music fan and I'm a music historian in some senses too. Um, and I started thinking of, I remember watching, and you're going to, you're going to love this one. I remember watching one of those VH1 documentaries on Huey Lewis and the news. Oh, love them. So in 1983, Huey Lewis and the news come out with an album called sports. Everyone remembers that album. Um, it was kind of the the album that put them on the map. It was, uh, I think it was two years before Power of Love, which is on the Back to the Future soundtrack. Um, and, and they're kind of like a, the hot it band, right? And then in 1986, they have another uh, album called Four. It has a bunch of hits, uh, Stuck on You, um, Hip to be Square, those kind of songs. And so... The popularity of Huey Lewis was was still really high. I think Sports sold like maybe seven million copies. Four sold like another three million, and they're kind of still on top of the world. But the detractors of Huey Lewis in the news basically said, "You guys are a now just a pop bar band chasing top forty music. You guys are musician wise, you're much better than that." You guys should be making better music, not this, you know, not this like hooky stuff that that is very easy to listen to. And so they actually took that to heart and they make an, another album in, I want to say it was 1988. It was called Small World. And musically, this thing was amazing. Like it was like Huey Lewis in the news on steroids from a musicianship standpoint. And then it's barely sold a million albums, and Huey Lewis in the news were never heard of ever again. So my point is, is that had Huey Lewis in the news stayed the course, and you know maybe you know the criticism was the criticism, and I'm sure uh, they took it to heart as musicians, but maybe they extend the prime of their career for another album or two, and I think with AEW is. When you try and outsmart yourself and say, well, this thing, based on our knowledge of what works historically, which the last, really the last 20 years of TV ratings and what works and what doesn't work is based solely on WWE. And we go, this shouldn't work based on what we know about wrestling, but for whatever reason it is working I'm totally fine with them continuing going with it until it's proven, like you said, maybe in six weeks, the fans are like, oh, we saw a private party do this all the time. Now they need to, to do something else. Wait until the audience tells you that what you're doing is not good anymore. I think they should continue to ride the wave. And that doesn't mean that NXT needs to do anything different. They obviously have their plan. But, you know. The popularity of that show is going down incrementally every week, 
and we'll see what that what that averages out to. But this week, AEW is down too. They both were kind of hurt by the World Series. So we'll figure out what that average is, and then they'll sort of have to build from there. But I don't think that just because you and I, who've been watching wrestling for you know thirty something years, what we what we know as what works isn't what private parties doing, and we go ah they should stop doing that. If the analytics and we know that they have smart people on that show, you know Tony Khan, Chris Harrington. If the if the analytics and the ratings prove out that this is kind of what that fan base wants to see, and the you know the twelve to forty nine demographic or whatever that 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 is, they love Private Party. Then then I I can't really argue if Private Party goes out and bends over for spots. Like I'm like okay well. That's not what I know as is good wrestling, but to this new fan base, they like it. And and so I want to make sure that I'm open to that, even though m- maybe my fundamental of uh, of what I know says that that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. But like I said, I want to see what's going to happen down the line because I think if you do this style for too long, eventually, like, it's great when you see it on a big show here and there. But like when it's weekly, like what are you gonna do weekly to keep that up? Like they threw it though, they threw the kitchen sink and then some, right? In that match. So how can they keep that going uh, week to week? And how eventually their fan base gets tired of it? Because you know fan bases now they they tune out faster than before, right? So we'll, we'll see. We'll definitely see. All right. So I want to quickly take a look at the weekend slate for boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. So on the boxing side, on ESPN Plus, Saturday evening, from Reno, Nevada, Shakur Stevenson faces Yoet Gonzalez for the vacant WBO featherweight title. And so Shakur Stevenson is a, is a great prospect for Bob Arum. And, uh, you know, every time he fights, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a story in, in boxing. Um, the, the intriguing thing about this fight is that Shakur Stevenson dates Yoet's sister. Hmm. So we've got a little bit of like a family feud going on here where his sister is siding with Shakur because Yoet doesn't think that Shakur is in it for the right reasons with his sister as far as dating. And his sister is also a boxer as well. So you have a little bit of a family, a family business going on for that show. And that is on ESPN Plus. Also from London on DAZN on Saturday is Regis Progre versus Josh Taylor for the WBA IBF Junior Welterweight Unification. This is the World Boxing Super Series final. Uh, Progre had actually declared that he was not going to finish the series because he didn't agree with such and such, but they figured it out. He's going to fight. Also in the undercard is Derek Shisora against uh, David Price. So both shows should be pretty uh, pretty interesting, at least the main events. I don't know about the undercards uh, themselves. Uh, on the ESPN Plus shows, Michaela Meyer, who is, uh, you know, she, she's got a little bit of a, uh, of a look and, and some charisma if her, her boxing can actually match up to it. So she's pretty interesting to watch, too. So, uh, you know, for that, for, uh, for, for, for your boxing uh, taste, that is on the docket. And for MMA, uh, there are three. There, there's actually a bunch of shows this weekend, but I'll just talk about the, the main ones. Uh, we have uh, on Friday night, 
we have Bellator 231, which is from the Mohegan Sun, and I believe this one is on Paramount. Um, and uh, and Frank Mir faces Roy Nelson in the main event, <laughs> uh, which is kind of a like a an old UFC battle. Um, but the interesting fight, as, as it sort of relates to all the stuff that we're talking about, is Jake Hager against Anthony Garrett, and supposedly. Garrett is not the tomato can that they've put in front of Hager in the last two fights, and and this will be his toughest test. This guy's actually bigger than him as well, so we'll see. Uh, and I think um, I think Sammy Guevara and Santana and Ortiz are going to be in the building. I don't know if I don't think they're going to be in his corner, but I think they're going to be there. And if he wins, they uh, they may you know they may do something in the ring. So that that'll be interesting. So I'm rooting for for Hager because if he loses. Then uh, this whole uh, inner circle thing. Are they going to do spots in the ring? Or they, <laughs> what are they going to do when they join? I don't know. Maybe they're just going to wear their T-shirts. Yeah, probably so. All right. And so uh, and so on Saturday, this is the, the show that I told you that starts at 2.30 in the morning. UFC Fight Night, Damian Maya against Ben Askren. Um, that is a pretty darn good fight, though I'm not sure I will necessarily... Make sure that I'm awake for it on Saturday, um, Saturday morning when it does actually get in. Is the cage. that on ESPN Plus too, as well? It is on. Let's see. It is on ESPN Plus. Yes. Um, on the undercard, uh, just a couple names. Uh, Michael Johnson is on the undercard. The uh, the the non Harlem Heat Stevie Ray is who he faces, and uh, not a lot else on on this undercard from a from a name perspective. And then on uh, Saturday night, you have Roy McDonald and Douglas Lima in the uh, welterweight tournament final, as well as uh, the Grand Prix, the Grand Prix final, as well as for the welterweight title. So that's kind of a big fight for them. This one is going to be on DAZN, whereas the other show was on Paramount. Uh, Paul Daly's fighting, and um, Nick Newell's fighting as well. So. Lots of, I mean, you know, lots of good MMA shows this weekend. There's also a one show. Um, there's also a uh, a PFL playoff show. Actually, no, no, no. The PFL playoff show is next weekend. Um, but yeah, lots of stuff this week. So, uh, so for those who, uh, you know, who who aren't too too busy, there's lo- there's you know, two boxing shows and three MMA shows. And the only thing that I could tell from a pro wrestling perspective. Outside of uh, uh, of other shows, kind of um, outside of the U.S., like I know OTT is running their fifth anniversary show on Saturday in Dublin. Uh, ROH is in London, and that has uh, Jeff Cobb and Roosh against Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull as the main event, and it's on uh, our ROH. United London. I think that is on the uh, the Honor Club service. So that is. Uh, I think that. I think that is it. I can't. I, I don't think there's anything else wrestling related that is uh, that is too big going on. No, I don't think there's anything standing out with wrestling at least. I know Progress has a show on Sunday, but <laughs> um, but but that's just kind of you know, like I said, a lot of the a lot of the international stuff. You know, you you know, we could find. 
uh, we could find other shows because you know ROH then runs in in in, in uh, Manchester on Sunday and their stardom shows. But yeah, so that that that's kind of that's kind of it when it comes to the big stuff. All right, so the last part of our show, we're going to quickly review the 1993 Raw. The episode is October. I think it's October 25th, yep. 1993. So we are coming out of Randy Savage and Crush and their summit. Bobby Heenan has jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes about this summit. Uh, and uh, and Crush is actually in the first match. Randy Savage not on the broadcast team this week. He is selling his lacerated tongue. And I think they said he may come back next week uh, or at least they're they were going to interview him or something next week um what did you think of crush's look coming out of this dastardly heel uh just jumping of savage and killing him and then he comes out in purple and silver and he's wearing face paint again i like the face paint um he does is his gear eventually evolves just a little bit with color scheme it becomes a little more darker with black and purple um, I didn't like the silver and purple. I thought it kind of looked just didn't look that good. But it looked a little clownish to me. Yeah. Well, this is '93 where everything's going to be a little brighter and louder with WWF. And but I do like the booking of it. I like the booking of like you lead off with him in the first match. Yep. I mean, I, I thought that was just classic booking after a big angle, the big heel turn, the, the baby face is hurt, and now you come back with a heel in the opener. And you know, I thought he looked. You know, he look. This this is his. He's better as a heel than he is a babyface for sure. So the thing that I liked most about this match is they are presenting us a brand new crush, right? Like the old crush doesn't exist anymore. So rather than do like a thirty second squash, he's really making Phil Apollo pay, and it's you know it's just this long match where he is a bad guy he's a mean dude and he is taking his time and kicking phil apollo's ass so i like that part of it because you know sometimes when, when we watch these squashes they're kind of quick but they really told the story in this squash of crush is not someone you want to mess with yeah he's a totally different person now so next segment is johnny polo cutting a promo on uh, the one two three kid and marty Jannetty. we're just making fun of them and uh, he will play into their match. It is a uh, one, two, three kid against Marty Jannetty in a babyface <laughs> match, and it's a pretty fun babyface match. But the crowd really doesn't dislike either guy. Um, very athletic. Both guys, you know, are very athletic wrestlers. And Johnny Polo comes out, um, and he interferes in the match. Uh, there's a ref bump, and. It one two three kid is about to do a tope outside onto Janetti, and Polo pushes Janetti out of the way, and Kid kind of just takes this like flop on his back, and so, you know, you get a double count out, which is kind of a groan kind of finish. Uh, and Johnny Polo's like outsmarted these two baby faces that you know are gonna be tag teaming in the Survivor Series. So, um, the the thing that I, I you know, I wasn't gonna be bothered with much of what they were going to do here. I sort of saw what was going to happen coming. The thing that I didn't like is Marty is the one who gets saved by Johnny Polo, right? 
So why is Marty the one that is pissed off and attacking him? Like, shouldn't the one, two, three kid be the one who who's mad? Like, he's the one who t- almost landed on his head because Johnny Polo interfered. Well, what happened was earlier too. I mean, Johnny Polo messed with both of them, so he was just trying to just you know you know messing with both of them. The when he was, he knew that because I think he shoved marty into like the steps or something like that or something or the guardrail or something like that it wasn't like just he moved him out of the way and saved him he actually pushed him into some more danger and then you know and then went and one two three kid went crashing so i, I thought the match was good i liked it i liked the this i like the chain wrestling of it i like the there's some of the stuff that you don't see this anymore is like you know trying to grab a leg and moving the leg out of the way and you know, not letting you grab that leg and while you're in the hammer lock or a headlock or just i thought that was kind of cool the idea the story that they wanted to tell was that they're going to start slow they're going to chain and they're going to you know make people you know not you know get kind of like into it and then finally start start gearing up and start doing the bigger moves and once that happens quickly uh, Johnny Polo gets involved and messes everything up, and then I, I was the only thing I didn't like about the segment. I thought, where were the Quebecers? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why you know I thought maybe they could have came out, and you know they maybe they almost get Johnny, but then the Quebecers come out and they take out both guys, and that leads to the tag match. Because I think that's what leads in the in a few months in a, in a few weeks later is like they have the a program. They it's, it it's ends up them forming a team basically. Yeah, because they beat his ass after. Yeah, this they match. beat his ass, and we're the Quebec. And it just didn't make sense. The Quebecers weren't there. Um, then we get to the Double J promo, and uh, he's standing outside of uh, Buddy Lee's office, and he calls out a lot of baby faces. He calls out the Undertaker, and he's like, you know, I'm going to go through you, and I'm going to go through you. But essentially, his character is that he wants to be a star in WWE so that this country promoter, Buddy Lee, sees him as a star and he can use the WWE as a stepping stone to get into country music. Kind of an interesting storyline. Well, I like how he said that he was already a great wrestler, and he you know he can easily just dominate. But like he he needs to get to the next thing he wants to do is become a country singer. He needs to prove and here in the WWF that he's a top wrestler to get that attention on him to be that recording star. But I think it was better than the promo last week for sure. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He felt he seemed much more comfortable. So uh, in the Observer, Meltzer says, interesting note about the second Jeff Jarrett video done in front of the offices of Buddy Lee's attractions. Buddy Lee out of Nashville is a leading booker of not only country music, but many other touring attractions. He was also a pro wrestler in the 50s and 60s and married former female wrestler Rita Cortez before making it big in the live entertainment business. Mm. Interesting. Connected all over. So uh, Ludwig Borga goes against. Uh, this is Mike Bucci. Yeah, that's uh, Nova. And because all Vince calls him is just Bucci, he doesn't give him a first <laughs> name. Must, just calls him Bucci the whole match. Name's goofy, but yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it was, yeah. It was my, it was, this is a Supernova Nova from ECW. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, not good. I didn't think there. There's a like. There was a weird thing where. Bucci like runs into the ropes. I don't know if he tripped or he like he. They were just off on what the, he was supposed to do because he kind of like stumbles into the ropes, mm-hmm. and then the very next thing is like Ludwig Borga like just picks him up and like drops him. Like there was like no move. He just dropped him. We had that press slam. Ryan dropped him. It it wasn't even a press slam though. It was like a. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like he wanted to drop him. Ludwig was being a little bit of a bully in this match. He's being a little yeah. little, little, little bit. 
physical, but hey, you know, that's his he's trying to get over and he's I thought he did a great job. That was a good squash and I thought his promo afterwards was pretty good too. I just kind of wondered if there were like you know, they were they were mixed, uh, they were crossed uh you know, in, in what they were trying to do, and he just got mad at him or something. Oh, could be, could be. I mean, he's kind of a Lou Vig's a special character, but yeah, I thought he, I thought he, he looked menacing, and it's unfortunately his career fizzled out with WWF because I think that he, he just had a good presence about him. He was the best wrestler in the world, but like when it came to like projecting being a badass and being a psycho or something, like I thought, he, I thought like you know he looked very intimidating out there, and and uh, he's like he's, he's good performer being that he's you know like just has a nice a great presence and carries himself really well and then uh, they keep talking about uh the tatanka and ludwig borger match on superstars which is interesting they're not doing it on raw and i think this is the match that we talked about where tatanka's uh his winning streak is going to end at the hands of ludwig borger to set borger up for uh, for lex and uh, and yeah, I just thought it was interesting. They're doing it on Superstars, and it's on Raw. They're promoting something on Superstars rather than promoting something on Raw. Well, I think it's good. I mean, you got to promote your other your other shows. I remember WWE do the same thing. They would, you know, WWE Saturday Night or World Championship Wrestling, and they would also hype up something for the NWA main event or WWE main event. And I'm like, oh man, I got to tune in on Sunday to see that match. So that's cool. I, I will say though that the WWE Network, for whatever reason. It kind of sucks for me right now. Like, every time, you know, so I only log in every week so that I can watch Night 3 Raw. It makes me re-log in every single time. I got to put my name and password in again. That's funny because uh, that happened to me, like, a week ago. But, you know, for a while, it, it didn't do that for me. And then every time I try to fast-forward something, mm-hmm. so you know how you can do the 10-second skip, you lose sound for, like, a little while. It just stops. It's so weird. It's, it like it just stops, and like you had to go. And I'm like, I don't want to go back. I want to go. You know, I just want to go back to where I was. And I saw I hit something, and it just oh, it's it's. Or I also hate this too because apparently I must have either fell asleep and watched this episode one time a long time ago. I don't remember watching it, and so it was already at the end when I click on it. Oh, and so yeah. like you have to be quick to move that bar all the way to the beginning, or it's just gonna jump right to the next episode, and it's like a pain mm-hmm. in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever since they changed from uh, from BAM technology to Endeavor, there's been these small little things that have been super frustrating for me. In addition to the fact that I can't change my credit card on WWE Network through the website, they they make me call a number just to change my stupid credit card. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it's so frustrating. Okay, so um, next thing is uh, the uh, Men on a Mission against Steve Greenman. Mm-hmm. And Tom Mata, during this match, something must have happened where Diana Ross went on Oprah Winfrey and came clean with some story of her life that she had never talked about. Because Bobby Heenan and um, and uh, Vince are just talking about Diana Ross this whole time. And so... Um, Bobby Heenan makes this joke about Oscar and Diana Ross. And I'm assuming it's... Maybe just because Oscar's black, like I don't know, it, it was weird. Like, but Bobby can be a little, you know. This is 1993. With my with my 2019 ears, sometimes he could be very insensitive. Um, but so I, I sort of figured out what the story was, which is Diana Ross, obviously part of the Supremes, one of the famous music acts uh, on Motown Records. 
So she had an affair with head of Motown Records, Barry Gordy, from 65 to 71. And then in 1971, she married a guy by the name of Robert Ellis Silberstein. So Diana was pregnant at the time of this marriage to Silberstein. But it wasn't Silberstein's baby. It was Barry Gordy's baby. She had the child. Daughter's name was Rhonda. Did not tell Rhonda that she was Barry Gordy's child until she was a teenager. Rhonda thought she was actually Silberstein's child the entire time. So that's what they were talking about. I was dying. I was like, what the hell are you guys talking about? They also made some jokes about the wild thing, Mitch Williams, you know, mm-hmm. losing the World Series to Joe Carter, uh, that. So it's it's kind of weird. Sometimes, you know, when, when they make the pop culture references, I'm like, I don't even remember what they're talking about. And then I got to look it up. So, uh, Mabel wins with kind of a clothesline where he kind of like puts all of his weight on, on, uh, I don't even remember which one, but I didn't, I thought this squash sucked. I I thought, you know, I didn't think men on a mission looked good in this match at all. It was boring. They didn't, they, I don't know. It just wasn't, I I didn't feel it either. I thought they were missing something or, or I don't know what it was about this match, but just wasn't, they weren't clicking and then just, uh, maybe they're getting cold. Maybe they saw their act already and, you know. But uh, but you know it's always I mean it's always cool to see Mabel do some stuff but it's it's just yeah I, I was kind of bored watching this waiting for it to end and you know this this show there are some really good raws and there are some raws that are fairly adequate I probably would say this raw was fairly adequate in comparison to the ones that we watched it was fine it was wasn't like a bad raw at all like you know there were there was some good stuff I don't know, on I it. thought this was like one of the most boring episodes we've watched in 93 like it like literally nothing major or anything that significant has happened like it was just other than i guess crush's heel debut yeah i mean they they had the summit which was kind of like the big thing that they were building to and then they're just coming off of it like i didn't i didn't expect them to do like another big thing coming off of that because i just I wonder, expected them I wonder if this is, to sell the whole thing is this hour for the taping or something i wonder maybe i wonder We'll see. We'll see if our our buddy Nick. Uh, Nick. Sends us a note. Speaking of Nick, by the oh, way, he's in jail again. No. So um, you saw the UFC show, or did you? You heard about this UFC show last weekend? Yeah, was he judging where, it? Where? So yeah, he judged uh, a few. I think he said four of the fights, and so uh, the whole thing when the Greg Hardy inhaler thing was going on. Um, did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah I saw it. So. So Greg Hardy uses an inhaler between rounds, and it's obviously illegal to do so. And they don't say anything about it. And so Nick is texting me, like literally, as the situation is going on. He's like, "Oh, they're gonna. It's gonna be no contest. It's gonna be no contest." Greg Hardy, he looks mad. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be no contest. And so like, I, I I was like, "Oh shit!" Like he knows, like he's knows everything that's going on before anybody else on Twitter knows what's going on. This is kind of crazy. And so. I tweeted out, so he sent me a, t- uh, a tweet, and then I retweeted it out to say, you know, r- this is what's happening in the Greg Hardy thing. And then a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the other MMA and pro wrestling folks saw my tweet because uh, Nick sent it directly to me. So then they saw my tweet, and then they retweeted what what Nick had said. Uh, or, or or maybe maybe I actually I don't remember what, what exactly trying, how that happened. Trying but. to steal Nick's heat. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is, 
I was saying, look, Nick knows what the fuck he's talking yeah, about. And then and then Jeremy Botter was like, oh, yeah, Nick's a judge. He he knows what's going on. And then I, th- I forget who else. Maybe it was um, maybe it was John uh, John Pollock. I think he then tweeted it out and was like, yeah, you know, Nick Nick is, is a judge or whatever. So I, I'm putting Nick over because yeah. he was the one who had all of the information before I'd seen it anywhere else. And, I, you know, my from what I tweeted, based on what he tweeted – I didn't see anything for like ten minutes, and so he had it first. Absolutely, it was it was pretty cool being that he was backstage and he was kind of in the you know in the whole thing. Well, my boy, my boy awesome. Nick will let, let us know if this is the last taping of the show for sure. He's on it. He's on with everything. I love it. <laughs> so uh, last, so, uh, so the next uh, segment was our boy Joe Fowler, Survivor Series report, Mister Perfect, the One Two Three Kid, Razor Ramon, and Marty versus IRS Adam Bomb. Rick Martel and Diesel is the newest Survivor Series match. Um, and then we lead, uh, that leads to Diesel versus Dan Dubiel. And I was Dubiel. trying to remember. Dubiel. 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 I was trying to remember, like, how Diesel was going to win the match. I was like, ah, oh, is it going to be a powerbomb? Is it going to be something powerful like that? And then Vince goes, or it was either Vince or Bobby, they go, oh, you know, he's got, like, the best right hand in WWE or something like that. It's like, oh, no, knockout finish. And, yep, right hand knockout punch knocks out Dan Dubiel. Looked better than King Alaska's punch on Raw, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was his finisher to go. That was, like, he, that was, like, the big, like, he's supposed to be, like, the bouncer that knocks people out the bars, right? That's, like, his his shtick. So, uh, early on until he, they gave him the power bomb and the rest is history. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Dan Dubiel's my boy, man. He's the one that... The young jobber guy that I think has some talent that seems to work well in the ring. That you know, I would like to have him in APW back in 2009. <laughs> or we should figure. We should figure out what he's doing. These yeah, days. let's. Yeah, and I want to see Dan DeBeal take a beal. That's be, be fun <laughs> to see. But yeah, it was, it, you know, it was a cool squasher. Dirk, you know, Vince is loving Diesel and get behind him, and and we know what happens to him later on. So yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a just the show was fine. It was just. Not my favorite. It was, but you know, it's just establishing some acts. You know, now they're gonna be. I think they're building up men on a mission to a tag title match. Right? They talked about that in a couple weeks or something. So I think I understand that. And well done is coming. Dude, I love well done. I mean, I love like Rex King and Steve Dahl. And I used to like. Their, I used to like their team in USWA. So I remember like when they. I remember I'm like, who's well done? And then they showed up, and I'm like, that's Steve Dahl and Rex King. <laughs> we're both are both who both who both are not with us anymore, which is sad. But uh, um, I was like thinking, like, well done, and why they got G strings? Like it was this weird. <laughs> like, I never really got their gimmick. I, maybe like exercise aficionados or something like that. <laughs> I, I just never, or maybe it was supposed to be a gay act. I don't, I don't know. I just didn't. I just never, never really got into them. I, I mean, but I think their job was when they got hired is to be like a mid card, solid working tag team in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they face the Smoking Guns on the next show. And also, Razor Ramon in a non-title match. I don't know why this is non-title. Against uh, Bastion Booger. Oh, my gosh. I love Mike Shaw. but is, is Razor going to get him up? No. No. I don't think so. I, I think I remember this. If he did that, I think I remember. <laughs> I mean, you could do it where you he's on the second rope and you kind of get behind him. I, I know Razor, you know Scott Hall's done that before, but uh, yeah, I don't remember it happening. But if it does, I'll go crazy. All right, 
little bit of an extended show here tonight. Uh, we had to go through our Observer Hall of Fame ballots, uh, but uh, we'll be back next week on Halloween. Oh, shoot. We're taping on Halloween, huh? I'll be fine. Kids are in bed earlier. No problem. Yeah, kids will be in bed. 49ers will play the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night, Dude, so it'll be... I can't believe they booked that, ma- that, that, that game on Halloween, knowing that I had <laughs> to go and took a treat. <laughs> I know. i got to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm going to probably end up uh, watching that game in the city and then having to speed home to do this show because I'll be at work that day. I, I'm just going to skip um, it. I mean, I'm just going to end up getting spoiled by the result anyway, so just... just Nothing I can do about that, but it's all about the kids, though, man. It's going to be fun. If, is there any theme to the kids, their costumes? Well, originally, Chloe wanted to be a pumpkin, and we're all going to wear pumpkin shirts or something. I had a Halloween shirt I was going to wear, and you know, but all of a sudden, she wanted to be uh, Jesse from Toy Story, So, and then Hunter loves Woody, so he's going to be Woody, and she's going to be Jesse from Toy Story. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that'll be cute. It's a cute outfit that she has, and he looks and he has a cute outfit too. So it's gonna be fun. Um, next year's gonna be interesting with all three of them. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be. But mm-hmm. I think Chloe would be five, and she'd be like, "Heck no, I'm doing my own thing." <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. The so we'll uh, on uh, on Halloween we'll have to get a little costume thing for those of us who who do have children to uh, to post our what are what 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 people are wearing on Halloween. So. Um, so yeah, so we'll be back next week. Uh, I want to do think about your stock up, stock down. I have some some thoughts on my end. We're watching all this wrestling <laughs> weekly. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll bring back that segment for next week. And um, yeah, it's kind of it's the um, the go home show for AEW's Full Gear, which is their first pay per view after TV. So we'll see what TV means to their pay per view buys. Well, would it be the go home uh, show, right? Because it's the ninth. Oh, I thought it was the second. Oh, no, no. So, yeah. Yeah. No, MLW has a show that day. Oh, that's what it is. It's, it's MLW and it's Canelo. Yeah. yeah. Th- Good those luck. are the second. So. Good luck, MLW. So I know. Well, they beat um, 60 buys uh, that, that AAA pay-per-view did. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, you're right. Saturday the 9th. So, maybe may, actually, maybe Canelo is also the remember, 9th. I may have my dates. Remember, we have a long night on the 9th. We do have a lot. No, no, no. I am right. Canelo is on the second yep. because MLW, which leans Hispanic for their audience, is running that same night. And then so, you see the same night, especially if that fight goes on. It's going to just totally take uh, buys away from MLW. And then, and then the UFC show. And then the ninth is AEW, and we are going to see New Japan that night. Yep. And then the next day, I'm going to see Mick Foley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. I wish I could go that one, but maybe, maybe I'll see him later. You know, Big Dave said if Mick Foley could swing it, he kind of wants to watch uh, watch the pay-per-view after. So make it to meet Mick Foley. We'll see. That's what I was leading to. <laughs> <laughs> but now everyone wants to come over now. No, no, no. Who knows when that's yeah. – Mick, Mick's going to be in SoCal, I think. So he'll have to do some driving, but yeah. um, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I mean, I, I'd love to meet – I've met him before, but I've met him a, a few different times, but not in such a casual setting. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, man. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I was I, I jumped the gun on, on the go home for for uh, AEW, but there's going to be tons of stuff next weekend too. Uh, big shows, um, and hopefully Nate Diaz will will be on that card. If not, it's going to suck, and I'm just going to pay attention to Canelo and Kovalev. Yeah. Hopefully, um, hopefully I'll also I'm also going to try to get um, 
maybe Dewan and and Matt and get their thoughts on the Canelo fight. So we'll add, maybe try to add that to to next week's show as yeah, well. Yeah, next week's going to be big because uh, both shows NXT and AEW has some major follow ups to do. Right? They had the follow up. NXT has a follow up to Finn turn, and AEW has a follow up to that great angle they shot. So they both. I mean, there's it was kind of cool. Both shows had really great angles that they both shot. I thought that was great. All right, so for John, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.